0: The free-for-all roundtable.
1: Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think.
0: Round one.
1: On round one, Toronto City Councilor Shelly Carroll is here. Amanda Galbraith, Principal at Navigator, host of Free For All Fridays. Khalidi Ramura is here, founder of InSaga.com. All right, let's get her going and let's talk. Actually, uh, Shelly, I want to start with you on this one. Is this a serious uh, pitch or is it just something somebody found in a document and is making a big deal about that the Shepherd subway could be extended in both directions?
2: Uh no it's it's actually a, a lesser known part of the MetroLink's plan when uh, when the big uh, the move 2020 was released when uh, Premier Ford was first selected uh, it was there but it was a perforated line where all the other lines were solid but they are now moving ahead because i think uh, Construction of the Scarborough subway, the replacement for the RT, has really brought into sharp relief the idea that if you expand that Shepherd subway, what you get is a great big perfect loop through Scarborough that goes out Shepard, uh, you can get all the way out to McCowan, and then all the way down and, and back onto line two. And so you would be creating massive mobility for, for one of the fastest growing parts of the city. Yeah,
1: Amanda, Scarborough has kind of been an orphan stepchild when it comes to transit. This would definitely improve things.
3: Yeah, it has. I think they've gotten a raw deal. We've talked extensively about the RT, um, and it's, you know, best before date being long past, so... Uh, I think this is a good thing. I mean, like all transit projects in Toronto, um, and I say this even having worked in the city, I'll believe it when I see it. But, um, you know, I will say, (laughs) I will say though, like Metrolinks under, I think the current, I mean, all governments try, but I really think they put a lot of effort into this. Um, under both the former Transportation Minister, Carol Morini, and, and, you know, the current government now and and getting stuff going, like the, you know, the the former downtown relief line now knows the Ontario line, it is being built, I see it in my neighborhood, and I think that's a good thing. So hopefully, uh, more to come.
1: Although it is true, Khaled, I call Toronto, the city of the eternal plan.
0: Yes, uh, you know, uh, being in Mississauga, um, we always wish for a subway. So I, I think, you know, uh, talking about the shepherd line, I think I read that it was, a the kind of the least used line. I, I, I think maybe, you know, Extending the Kipling line, you know, or the subway line to Mississauga would be great, uh, but it's it's an ongoing joke in Mississauga that uh, one day we'll get a subway, but uh, hopefully that's the case one day. <laughs> okay,
1: let's talk about uh, MPP Sarah Jamas' uh, ouster from the NDP caucus, and now we're starting to learn, Amanda, that there are a few restive members of that caucus who don't actually think it was the right decision. I said when this initially blew up that this was going to be an ongoing problem for the NDP because there is a portion of the party that believes she's completely right.
3: Yeah, there's a substantive portion of the party that believes that. And it's it's actually been interesting to watch um, the NDP at all, I think, levels, even federally, try and navigate this, because I think all parties have challenges. I think, to your point, the NDP significantly has the biggest one, because they have, I would say, the most pro-Palestinian, or you could say um, anti-Israel ban there. But I, I will just reiterate well, like what Jama said is unacceptable. Um, the idea that in any way we can excuse or justify or rationalize the rape, murder, beheading of ba- like I just to me is wild. Um so I think, you know, it's good on Merritt Styles. It's a courageous decision. She tried to find a fast forward, she could not. Um, you know, being a leader means you, sometimes you make unpopular choices within your own party, um, but they're the right thing to do, and I think she did the right thing.
1: Shelley Carroll, do you think she's going to have more problems with her caucus, or is this just a few people acting out on Twitter and they're going to move on?
2: Well, if it makes them have to sit down as a caucus and figure out what is the way forward, how do we uh, speak to this when we, we're called upon to speak to it in our communities, um, then, then they need to get on with that, because the issue... Uh, uh, has always been for for MPP JAMA is is you know not uh, not feeling for uh, um, Palestinians in the way they may have been dealt with in history, but tempering the remarks to to uh, take into account um, Hamas getting control of their government and then uh, committing these heinous acts. And and you have to be be willing to temper your remarks to to take account of that, and that's the thing she seemed to be unwilling to do. And so, if they sit down now and talk about, we may have to talk about this in our in our community because it it has been our position we are pro Palestinian, but now we have to decide how we talk about it in the community so as not to cause pain. Uh, because the the thing is, we're we're in Ontario. We have you know. Diaspora from um, from Israel and from Palestine. Um, there are people who have emigrated here from Gaza, and all are feeling pain. And you have to you have to be willing to acknowledge that every time you speak.
1: Okay, let's dispense with this one quickly, unless it becomes a roiling argument. But uh, Olivia Chow says she will maintain her NDP membership. Uh, Khaled, I'll start with you. It's not exactly a surprise that Olivia Chow is an NDPer, and it's not like she just announced she's a part of the Builder group I mean so big deal
0: yeah uh, I'd say you know let, let her keep her card I mean at the end of the day um you know we we all know she's an NDP so you know at, at the end of the day um if you know next election comes about and uh if she wins or if she loses she can run for NDP again okay uh, Amanda is it a, is it an issue? No, I don't.
3: I candidly don't care. I think people elected her um, knowing uh, what side of the political fence she lived on, um, and that's perfectly fine with me. Um, I will say the one thing that that I think is important, um, that probably isn't really as well reported on or talked about, is um, just I think composition of what happens in your office. Um, You know, when I worked for Mayor Tory, we had staff from the Liberals, the NDP, and the Conservatives. I I believe other administrations have tried to do that. Um, I'm not sure how broad the staff is there, and I think that actually kind of limits some of your ability to reach across the aisle and get stuff done. Like That allowed us to get done with Kathleen Wynne, and uh, then Prime Minister Harper. So I think those are kind of, you have to represent all sides, but I would say from like, a, you know, the the, um, the mayor has shown herself the ability to work cross out with the premier. Um, you know, I don't really have a lot of concern. People know what she was when they elected her.
1: Shelley Carroll, I have to imagine a goodly number of city councillors are members of political parties. <laughs>
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's face it. We're we're Canadians in our personal lives. We we all have uh, um, you know uh, party alliances or 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 at least uh, um, affection for one party or the other, and uh, and so uh, you know what what Amanda's saying is really important here. Is it's not just uh, uh, being able to talk to uh, uh, Premier Ford or or uh, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, but but actually being able to deal with all those factions on council, and as long as as, as there's real trust for all of those people on council, then then uh, a mayor's uh, party membership is a personal thing. Um, I've, I've worked for for mayors with with all different kinds of memberships now, and and uh, I find that uh, you know some of them do let their cards lap simply because they're so busy being mayor they never get around to going near their party in the time that they're in the mayor's office. Okay, so let's
1: jump to uh, the world of medicine. And just when you think things couldn't get any worse, it appears that they are getting worse in terms of access to family doctors. One in four Ontarians could be without a family doctor in three years. It's interesting, the coverage that we sent for your consideration this morning, and uh, Khaled, I'll start with you on this one. It it profiles a a doctor who says she spends 19 hours a week on paperwork, and so she just doesn't have time for her patients. She's fairly early in her career career, but she's thinking of getting out of it.
0: Uh, well, I definitely believe that. Um, I moved to uh, kind of the really west side of Mississauga, and it's t- it's taken me two years to find a family doctor. Um, and I've been through three or four doctors along the way over the last two years. Um, and finally, just last, like two weeks ago, I found a family doctor. So, and yeah, I think it's it's a huge issue. I'm uh, actually in uh, Sault Ste. Marie right now was um, uh, staying with a friend of mine up here, and they were saying that uh, it takes, you know, they have to travel two, three hours to see a doctor. So it's it's a major issue here. Shelley, Carroll, I don't know what the fix
1: necessarily is. I mean, one would be, we've got to find a way to make the workload lighter, and I can't believe there's still paperwork. Why aren't people just filling out on-screen forms that could be filled, you know, half of it could be done with an F key?
2: Well, and and that's exactly what's going to happen to our service over time. Doctors, lots of people are going to med school, but they're not choosing family physician as the as the what they're going to do when they graduate. Um, you know, there there's more money and less of these headaches if you you uh, go into the types of uh, uh, medicine fields that that lead you into a hospital. And then all this admin is is handled by people in the hospital. And I think over time, what we're going to find is that family physicians are more and more grouped together in clinics so that, uh, so that there is a big admin unit helping them get all of this done. It still needs a lot of the doctor's input, but... Uh, you're you're not going to see the family physician who has his own lovely little neighborhood practice where he does everything and maybe his wife is the receptionist. That's the family doctor I had years and years and years ago. That's simply going to disappear because as we computerize, we think it will be easier. But in fact, the tendency in government, which of course funds health, is to, oh, if we're going to computerize everything, let's gather data. And before you know it, this data collection leads to leads to more administrative work
1: amanda galbraith one of the issues seems to be a lot of this is like insurance forms or if you have a workplace that requires a doctor's note when you've been away for more than three days then you got to go to a doctor that's just tedious
3: yeah i guess it is tedious and you know i think we should let doctors be doctors as much as possible so if they need to look at the service model Um, That's fine. I'm a member of a family health team, which I know I think the provincial government doesn't do anymore, um, which is actually too bad because I I love it there. Um, You know, if I can't see my primary physician, I see another physician, um, Mm -hmm. you know, within 24 hours and um, we get great service. The only kind of weird thing is um, to, to I think all points about technology. Um, you know, I'm doing vaccinations for my son right now, and basically, I have to keep a paper record like those old carts Because mm-hmm. if I don't, we just don't have one. So, I think there's a lot of gaps in our health system. But I think people having family doctors should be job number one.
1: Uh, let me stick with you, Amanda, for a second because uh, you're you know you've you like pop culture, and apparently, we have a new <laughs> phrase. Uh, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau has repartnered. Uh, we're learning in divorce documents from a woman who divorced a doctor that he's involved with a high profile individual who requires public security. And so people went through that document and said, oh, okay, that has to be Sophie Gregoire. But I don't know. Is this the new uncoupling, conscious uncoupling?
3: Maybe. I like—I don't know. I didn't know I could say repartner back in the day, although I repartnered quite a bit <laughs> pre- after my
2: <laughs> different <laughs> scenarios.
3: So, uh, But... Um you know I, first of all no by the way it's, this is not a sophie gregoire trudeau term this is the term from the um the wife yes. of the person she may every repart- ex-wife of the person she partnered with so we should just be clear she's not making up these things um yeah i mean i think this is amusing um to a certain degree the term itself but you know bottom line is i think being the spouse of a political uh person especially the prime minister has got to be really tough i can't imagine what they've gone through as a family so i hope she's happy and i hope she gets as much privacy as she can and it's uh you know, unfortunate these court documents were made public, but, uh, you know, people do what they do in these
2: scenarios.
1: Yeah, Shelley Carroll, I think people are going to feel a little grubby in talking about this, but let's face it, they're going to talk about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, because um, people have been wondering all along. There's, there's no way you can avoid that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when 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 famous people break up, people get salacious about it. They they want to know why, and uh, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, there there are many layers. Even if there is a repartnering, the the why is really how did that come to happen, and it's personal. And so you're you're never really going to know. But we do know this. We know that to have a marriage in that much of a spotlight is extremely difficult. Those who succeeded in doing it and come out the the other uh, end of a political career or, a, or a, a show business career and remain married are rare. And, and even they will tell you it's hard. So, you know, if there was a repartnering, there are probably many factors that led into it. <laughs> Thank you all. Good to have you.
1: And, of course, some people are going to make a squawk about the security that is still required for Sophie Gregoire, but uh, she is still actually on paper married to the prime minister.
2: Catch the round table. round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.